The scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you come to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. May God bless the reading of his word. So our text today is uh, taken from the first part of John, and it's kind of, um, uh, it's the beginning of Jesus calling some of his disciples together, namely first Philip, to whom he says, come follow me, and Philip just drops everything and does it automatically. And Philip goes and grabs Nathaniel. It begins with Jesus saying, I'm going to go into Galilee, deciding where he's going to go. I'm going to go to Galilee. So he goes to Galilee and picks up Philip there. And Philip goes and finds Nathaniel, and he says, Nathaniel, we have found the Messiah. In this one short section of Scripture, Jesus gets called uh, so many different things, it's hard to number them all. Messiah, Nazarene, the the Son of God, or the Son of Man, and, and all kinds of great names. But Philip says, we found the Messiah, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, which gets, you know, makes Nathaniel raise his eyebrows a little bit and says, Nazareth? And I don't know, I don't know if Bethsaida played Nazareth in high school, like they were rivals or something like this, but uh, there seems to be some ill will from Bethsaida to Nazareth, which is e- it's easily understood. It's kind of like the Roy of Galilee, right? Roy, Utah. Anyone, anyone proud of being from Roy? I mean, <laughs> there's not a lot going on down in Roy. And in fact, Nazareth is kind of a bedroom community to Sepphoris, which is a large cosmopolitan crossroads of sorts. There were a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of people coming in and out of there, and uh, Nazareth was basically dependent. Is where the poor people went to live who couldn't afford to live in Sepphoris, and uh, they lived in uh, in Nazareth. And so Nathaniel wonders, in a very cynical attitude, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And you know, I got to say that I think Na- Nathaniel is a is a disciple of our time, really. I think we live in a time where people are wondering, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right? I think they're looking around and they're looking at the church, the Christian faith, and they're looking at religion, and they're looking at all the things that have gone on over the centuries, and they're looking at, they're looking at all the things that have gone on in the last few years, and they're looking at all the fights that people have. They look at the, they look at the church fighting within itself, and 
And they say, can anything good come out of the church anymore? Can anything good come out of religion anymore? In fact, there is a... I mean, it's very rare to people, people will say, well, yeah, I'm religious. <laughs> I love religion. I think religion is great. I'm one of the few people who will actually claim that these days. Everyone is, is, I hear this all the time, spiritual but not religious. And uh, I get that. I, I do. I'm kind of a Nathaniel myself sometimes. I, I get that. Because religion has done a lot of bad things and you look around and you think and i've said out loud you know i've I've said many times how how frustrated and disgusted i am looking around and i don't mean to name names but there was a time a, a couple of years ago where i said out loud i am so and don't get me wrong uh this is I've always been very ecumenically minded, and some some of the people I work with most and I've considered allies belong to this faith, but there were a few times a few years ago I said, I am so done with the Catholic Church. I am so done with the things they do and the moves they make and the, the things that they think are important. And I, growing up here, i got to say, I'll say it out loud, I am so done with the Mormon Church. I've said that out loud so many times. And i got to tell you, I've sat through church many times, and I've sat there going, I am so done with the Baptist church. I am so done with these people. My next sermon, you people make me sick. (laughs) I've said that out loud. And a lot of people in our culture today have said that out loud, have said, I am so done with this. So many of us who have been hurt by the attitudes of whatever faith we happen to ascribe to. Some of us uh, directly hurt. This This produced my frustration with the Catholic Church. People directly hurt by those who should be protecting them. And it's not just the Catholic Church. So many people hurt by the rhetoric and the dogma and the judgment and the two-faced, backstabbing nonsense. So many hurt by the focus inward, neglecting the outward focus, which is where Jesus was. (laughs) So many frustrated with all these churches and so few followers of Christ. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I share Nathaniel's, our world shares Nathaniel's cynicism and skepticism about what good could possibly happen. A guy um, who wrote a book called The Irresistible Revolution, and all of a sudden his name is escaping me. This is why I shouldn't work without notes, right? Uh, He wrote this very powerful book where he was also exploring, you know, anyone out there, is he was looking for a real follower of Christ in all of these churches. And he decided, 
you know where I'll look? I'll Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa's got to be the, I mean, you know, if you're looking for a real Christian there, let's look to Mother Teresa. And he spent all this time, he spent several months trying to figure out how to get a hold of Mother Teresa. And he, he goes through the diocese. He go, tries the Vatican. He tries to go through the local group. He's from Philadelphia. He tries to, Shane, Shane Claiborne. Sorry, there's his name. <laughs> tries to go through the diocese and all this kind of stuff. Finally, he, he, he meets this nun and this nun says, call this number. And so he calls up the number, and his little voice comes on the phone. Hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was hoping to. I'm looking for Mother Teresa. Okay, this is her. And he went on about three pages about how Mother Teresa answered her own phone in Calcutta, right? <laughs> and he sat there and and he was trying to explain what he's trying to do and this whole thing. And she didn't have any time for it. I don't, you know, she basically said, "I don't have time for your philosophical quest. Come and see." is what she said. Come and see. Come and see. You know, and she hung up. <laughs> and so he got on a plane and he flew to Calcutta and he looked up Mother Teresa and he spent a, a, several months there, I don't know, maybe even a year or so there working with Mother Teresa in Calcutta because she said, uh, you know, I don't have time for this conversation. Just come and see. And it's the same invitation that Philip made to Nathaniel. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Come and find out if anything good can come from Nazareth. Come and see what God is doing. Come and just open your door of hope just a little bit. See what God can do. I was haranguing on the Catholic Church a few years ago, but I look now. I, I didn't stop hanging. I mean, you know, uh, as mad as I was, I would show up for things that Bis Bishop Wester, you know, sponsored and stuff like that, who I found to be a great guy. And this new pope... Who can't be a fan of this new pope who's trying to turn it around? And I think, here is a pastor. Amen. Thank you. You can give the pope a hand. That's all right. We're Baptists that can clap for the pope. That's good. <laughs> here, is a, here is a pastor trying to turn his flock and transform his flock and give them the hope that they need. And as done as I've been with the Mormon church at times, man, I've been, since moving back to Utah, I have found allies and friends and cohorts and colleagues within the Mormon faith that are trying to do the same things we're trying to do. And it's surprised me, and it's confronted me, and it's changed my mind in a lot of ways about the world we live in. It, and uh, believe it or not, within the Baptist faith, <laughs> I found glimmers of hope. Even as I've worked with, we're very different from the other Baptist churches in, well, in most of the world. But we're, <laughs> we're very different from the other Baptist churches here in Utah. And yet, we work together on things at Camp Utaba and other things. And we call each other brother and sister. And that gives me so much hope. And it, it spurs me on.
And I think our job here, because I'm assuming that the this church is this church is really full of folks who came and saw. They haven't they're not coming to see. They came and saw. And they're they're experiencing that good things are coming from Nazareth. And the good things what's amazing here is what Nathaniel experiences and is Jesus comes to him and he says, look, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, in whom there is no guile. And Nathaniel says, how do you know who I am? And for some reason, it has, something has to do with this fig tree. This is, it's an interesting passage because we are not actually privy to what exactly the significance of him sitting underneath the fig tree was. It, I think it's an inside joke between Jesus and Nathaniel, and we don't get it, right? <laughs> There's something going on there. But Jesus means to say something when he says, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And then he says, you're going to see even more than this. You're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, which is Jesus. And he is deliberately retelling a story that came to us out of Genesis, a story about Jacob. Do you remember this story? Uh, Jacob, who is wandering around in the wilderness and comes to Luz and rests his head on it. He decides to use a rock as a pillow. No wonder he has these weird dreams. And he has this weird dream about a ladder stretching to heaven and angels are ascending and descending. It is a theophany, we call it in the biz. It is a place where God enters into the world and... Jacob raises out of that, comes out of that dream, and he calls that place Bethel, which means house of God, and he adopts a new name, Israel, and the rest is history. And Jesus says, in me, Nathaniel, me, Jesus of Nazareth, me, from this poor kid from some backwater town. In me is where God enters into the world, where heaven and earth meet again. In me, says Jesus, is where you will find the world connecting to the kingdom of God. In me, you will find the fullness of all that God has for the world we live in. In me, you will find Bethel, the house of God. And furthermore, he looks at Nathaniel and he says, In you, you're an Israelite without deceit. One could not say that about Jacob, right? <laughs> so Nathaniel becomes the, the new Jacob, only better, like Jacob 2.0, right? <laughs> Jacob, only, only better in whom there is no deceit. Come and see. And what Nathaniel experiences is a place where God breaks into the world and reveals God's self in ways that we can't even imagine or hope to understand. And so we, as followers of Christ, we have the happy task of not cajoling people 
into coming to church and converting to something, in not indoctrinating people, in not handing them a tract and begging them to pray the prayer, in not haranguing them or insisting or tricking. How many of you have been tricked into going to church, right? Or <laughs> None of those things. Our task is to extend the invitation, come and see. To hear the skepticism, to hear the frustration, to give space and time for people who need to heal, to heal, to love and support. But it all begins with daring people to come and see. And we as a church, I've been, it's been my blessing and pleasure to watch over the few years I've been here, watch people who have walked away choose to come and see if something good can truly come from Nazareth. I encourage us all in our own quest to invite fellow journeyers, fellow pilgrims, to come and see. To see God breaking through the noise and the hurt and the, and the deceit and the corruption and the violence and the ugliness. And to come and see that something good can come from Nazareth, Something good can come from Salt Lake City. <laughs> Something good can come from, God help us, a Baptist church. <laughs> Something good is coming. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, thank you so much for the call you give to us to come and see and then to follow you. May those who need to see you, who need the healing touch, who need for you to say to them, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. May they find their way to you, here or somewhere else, in some other way. But it is our fervent prayer today that the good that has come from Nazareth be experienced by people in our midst. And as much as we are agents of that, may we eagerly take up the call. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.